0: All right, we are 84 days away from the start of the 2023 season, and it comes to the NFL markets in June. Sportsbooks are pretty generous lovers. Not only do we have the ability to get down at every week one game right now, look-ahead lines are available as well. So on this week's episode of Move the Line, we're going to talk about a few of our favorite week one positions and then take a quick peek ahead as well. So let's dig in. Welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here, as always, by my friends, my football friends, even though it is golf season. Start of the first round of the U.S. Open. Whose idea was it to talk football on this glorious, glorious day? I don't know, probably mine. At some point, uh, I was not thinking ahead, but uh, Connor, how are we doing?
1: Uh, Definitely have been better. Stress of buying a house is, uh, you know, getting to me over here and uh, yeah but no nothing to relieve the pressure like talking some football I mean betting football can just make all the stress go away as long as I don't
2: have to sweat it right now
0: we in a little bit of time there sharp Clark here as well Clark how we doing bud
2: good yeah I, I tweeted out about how <clears throat> I only really feel alive when I'm placing NFL bets and it's it's been what now four months or something since the Super Bowl I don't know and it's like looking at week one and seeing lines you can bet into is, is super exciting for me. And, uh, and I'm enjoying it.
0: (laughs) We're going to be here every week leading up to the season coming up on our team or divisional previews soon. It is, uh, it is getting close. So um, there is lots of other great original content here on the four for four bets YouTube page. Please subscribe. uh, If you'd like to support the free content, thumbs up, comment on the video goes a long way in helping us do so. Uh, jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite week one play is. We'd love to hear from you. Still available in podcast form as well. So subscribe there too. Uh, five stars, all those things again, uh, help us with the free content. Uh, it's not quite like the future market, Clark, where your money is out there until you know late December or January. But like I said, 80 plus days away from week one. I'd love to get your thoughts here before we dig into the specifics. How aggressive are you when it comes to attacking the week one lines and even more so the look aheads, since you know there are a few books that you can basically get down on any game that you want.
2: The look aheads is, is easy. I don't really play look aheads. Um last year I did like I looked through the schedule and put five dollars on a bunch of games that I liked to see, you know, how would this position me as the season unfolds? And I think I went 50-50 on those bets. There's just so much uncertainty. And I, my biggest thing is reacting to what we see on the field, and I just don't want to lock myself in any meaningful positions this early. Um, but week one, I in certain circumstances, and we'll get to one of them. Um, I will bet them early. Like uh, bookmaker right now is is taking two thousand dollar bets. Um, I think Circa is advertising five thousand dollar bets on week one lines. So you know, unless you're like a major better, in which case you're not listening to this podcast, frankly, um, you can get down as much money as you want on on these games. So it's not a question of liquidity; it's a question of uh, is this a position you want to be logged into, and is there a chance that you'll lose the uh, value of a potential number at this time.
0: Don't pigeonhole our audience, Clark. It's not fair. Uh, <laughs> Connor, how about you? Is this something that you've uh, dug into a little bit? I, and I like Clark's idea there of just literally sprinkling in a little bit of money for you know for the most part just to be able to properly track uh, where that line moved or if you're on the right side of it or where's your you know your early season sitting here in the middle of June uh, where your early inclinations correct. Uh, is this something that you've jumped into or considered approaching maybe a little bit more aggressively this year?
1: Yeah, I, I find a couple of spots I think every year that I really specifically like, like two teams that are trending, I think the opposite directions or that is like one thing that I specifically would focus on where I don't think that the line is really accounting for how good or how bad a team is. So you're kind of getting like two factors working in the same position. Whereas like, you know, if, if the Eagles end up being way better than everyone expects like last year and then the other team they're playing ends up being way worse, like I think you're just in a really good spot to get a lot of closing line value. But particularly this season, I think that there's a couple of spots early in the season to reduce some of the like, you know, variance of like how good or bad a team is, or kind of like adjusting as we see a team, just given uh, like what we, I think we know. So I'll explain more when we get to the specific specific example, but that's just how I'd approach it.
0: Yeah, good point there. I want to let folks know great time to scoop up a betting sub at 4 for 4. Betting sub gets you access to everything on our sites, um, in particular, all of the bets that we place and push through in our Discord. Um, again, lots of great ways to do so. If you are looking to check us out for cheap, uh, there's a couple ways to do so first we partner with vivid picks if you're not familiar with vivid uh, they're a parlay pick'em site similar to some of the other ones out there in the space you can use our promo code 444 bet when you sign up they're going to match your first deposit up to 200 dollars but all you need to do is deposit five dollars literally five dollars access to the betting stuff for three months i mean it's a great deal um that's going to cover again into the season now at this point and um we've done that as well with no house advantage uh, again, you can DM us, uh, message us in the chat here. Let us know more ac- info. You can get the links here in the show notes too to check that out. Again, great way to get access. Otherwise, go to 444.com slash plans and go with the betting sub. Again, access to everything, no matter what you're doing this offseason football-wise. We got you covered at 444. Uh, I'm going to kick you, Clark. Let you get started with uh, your first week one spot uh, that you like here.
2: Yeah, so the first one is one that I'm actually not playing right now, but it's something I'm keeping my eye on, and that's the Packers-Bears game. Right now, the Bears are favored by 2.5 in most spots. Um, and I will I will caution, the pinnacle right now has, I think, minus 2.5, minus 117 on the Bears. So the sharpest book uh, that takes sh- a lot of sharp bets l- likes the Bears and doesn't want exposure to the Bears right now at current prices. Um, I like the Packers. Uh, I, I think that the... Jordan Love experiment has a wide range of outcomes. Uh, you know, this is a, a game that has a lot of variance on both sides, right? We don't really know how the Bears offense is going to look with all the new pieces. What we do know is that the Bears defense sucks and they didn't really do much to address it. Uh, we know the Packers have a decent offensive line when healthy, two really good running backs. Um, and when a team built like that, built to succeed by, you know, being consistent and consistently moving the ball plays against a really bad defense, it's usually pretty easy on the quarterback to just kind of finish the job, right? Like a lot of it is done for him. So I think the Packers offense is going to have some success against the base defense. And then on the other side of the ball, I'm just not a huge believer that Justin Fields is a elite difference maker. Like last year, you know, people celebrating how much he improved as a player and he was really good. And he was really flashy, put up a lot of stats, made a bunch of big plays put a bad team on his back and won three games. So how much better does he have to be this year for them to move to like an eight or nine win team or even an average team? He's got to be significantly better. Um, and I just don't see that happening. So my, my lean is on the Packers. And now I want to talk a little bit about how to play it, right? So it's at two and a half. And usually you want to say, oh, plus two and a half. Like I kind of like to tease that up to eight and a half. But I would advise against teasing early season games, especially week one games, because teasers benefit from uh, a hyper-efficient market, frankly, and the week one lines are just not efficient. We know so little about these teams, especially when there's differences at quarterback from last year and and other differences. So I wouldn't tease the Packers. What I would do instead is, is keep an eye on it and see if, see if it moves to plus three. Uh, if it moves to plus three, I like the Packers. Otherwise, I think we can kind of play into the variance and maybe bet an alternate spread on the Packers, minus two and a half, Packers minus five and a half, Packers minus nine and a half, if you can find good prices, because we want to play into the variance of all the uncertainties in this game um, and lean into the idea of the Packers taking a lead and kind of building that lead with a good run game and good defense um, and then kind of taking control of that game. So so that's kind of how I'm looking to play it. I haven't played it yet, uh, but it's a game I'm definitely keeping my eye on.
0: Connor, I think that was great advice from Clark. Uh, again, like handicap agnostic, I think just embracing some early season unknowns, right? And how to approach it, uh, especially as it relates to the, you know, again, because that is in the teaser zone at two and a half there. Uh, any thoughts on the Packers and, and Bears this year? I think they are an interesting conversation in that division where they kind of feel like a coin flip. You know, basically when you look at some of their future numbers, they're, they're basically identical for the most part. Uh, any thoughts there on uh, Clark's first one?
1: yeah i i kind of agree honestly i think that i like i keep looking at this i don't want to play a plus two and a half just to be honest i do think it's more of a coin flip i do think though that there's like jordan love is also pretty volatile because we just don't really know what we're going to get but i think that the packers have more pieces just around just in general like maybe not offensively but like just a, generally a better roster than the bears and i know that might be a little bit of hot take but we're looking at a seven and a half win total feels like a lot for this bears team i, I don't know like i thought we were going to see maybe a six and a half or something like that kind of entering the season but seven and a half is it's pretty rich for this team because I think they're missing still a ton of pieces. I know that we're hating in the chat here. It mentioned Jack Sanborn, tackle God. Uh, you know, that's your guy, Noonan. But yeah, I think if you can get this a plus three, which I think we will see a three closer to week one, or some point in the offseason, we'll see a three. FanDuel popping with uh minus one eighteen as well. Sharp mentioned that pinnacle is you know, pretty close. I mean, it'll happen. So yeah, I would I would wait. I, I don't mind that at all. It's not something I'm jumping to play, but I do think that that's where the value will be you got jack sanborn the roster you go out and throw a bunch of resources at tj edwards and
0: tremaine edmonds like i don't understand it but hey they had money to spend they had holes burning in their pockets and i'd rather have seen them go out and like overspend for jamal dean or something like go out and address corner do something a little bit different so yeah i don't know it's going to be an interesting conversation for sure but i think clark's point on how to approach it i think is is really unique and uh, good advice just in general Uh, connor how about you first one for week one
1: yeah. So my first one is going to be laying the points with the Eagles here against the Patriots. And I think specifically there's a couple of mismatches that I really like. Uh, one thing that came to light for me and something that we saw last year with the, with the bears, actually, Justin Fields against this Patriots team was how slow the linebackers were. And I, that's just something that I visually saw and like he ran circles around it, but then I dug into the numbers. So we got, you know, two, two guys primarily here. We're looking at, you know, John Bentley as well as Tavai. um, Bentley ran a 475. Tavai ran a 486 40-yard dash. That's in the sixth and 20th percentile among linebackers uh, for speed score. Uh, and so when the numbers match up with what I already saw, and now you're looking at playing another mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts, that already there, there's just a big you know checkbox for me. Looking at this Eagles offense, uh, you know, they still project to be extremely good in this spot. The defense, I think, is probably a little bit overrated, uh, given what we saw in the Super Bowl, but I just don't think that that matters that much against the Patriots offense. That's missing the firepower to like truly expose them. And so I also, the more I've been thinking about it, I think this whole bill O'Brien narrative about like how much better it's going to be is a little bit overrated. I think we're looking at a guy who was essentially a donkey for multiple years in the NFL, went to the Alabama had great season with incredible weapons. And then now is back in the Patriots and supposed to just fix everything. I mean, it will definitely be better than, you know, what we saw, but like, I don't think they're going to make some sick jump or anything or be like significantly improved. Um, you know, offensive line projects to be middle of the pack. Weapons are just okay. Um, I know Noonan that you are a believer in the defense. Uh, Sharp has talked about it before. I kind of parsed through the numbers against their you know historically bad uh, you know run against bad teams last year it was like eight games. They were elite against every other team, which included a lot of very good teams. I do have to put that caveat. It included a lot of very good teams in the out of sample. They were bottom five in basically every metric EPA explosive pass rate, like everything. So my point is though, is that I think the Eagles fall more into that other bucket, like very much closer. So uh, when you kind of put all those factors together, uh, I like the Eagles minus four and a half. I'm going to be playing some alts as well. Um, I think you could play it up to honest, like nine and a half. I think that they could, they could easily like run away with this game, even in new England.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and like um fanboy the Patriots when I think your takes are correct. I do think that the Patriots are going to be better. Do I think that the Patriots are going to be good? Do I think even better really makes a, a impact in that division or in that conference? I just don't. Uh, you know, it's like a, a pebble in, in the water there. Um, you know, we still could see DeAndre Hopkins. I think that helps them a little bit. But, yeah, at this point in the career, is he like a field stretcher? You know, they're going to need some of these young guys too defensive or offensively to really take a step forward. You, you know, Tyquan Thornton, whether it's Kayshaun Booty, like they're going to need, uh, you know, a lot from – Kendrick Bourne, like some of these guys that they're going to have to rely on to to be difference makers offensively, like one of those three has to emerge. That's a tough spot to be in. So, yeah, I think they're better. They'll be better on both sides of the ball. But they're probably still a seven-win team and uh, will probably get boat raced uh, by the Eagles. And they are historically a pretty slow starting team too, right? Belichick often talks about that too. Like early season games, he's still looking almost like a preseason game where he's really trying to figure out rotations, especially defensively where they like to run a bunch of guys out there deep probably maybe still see some learning curve offensively with what bill O'Brien's bringing in. So yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I do think that the Eagles, even though they obviously exceeded expectations last year, like we could still be underrating them this year. And I, cause again, they had some turnover, but I think they did a really good job at, you know, replacing that too. So Clark, any quick thoughts on uh, Philly, New England?
2: Yeah. I, I, I mean, this line could keep going up as we approach week one. Uh, I like what Sam Lipscomb mentioned in the chat that the, apparently the Patriots are going to be shifting towards lighter personnel. Um, that's an interesting thought because, you know, they've struggled with mobile quarterbacks in the past. And so maybe having a little bit more speed will help them at least try to contain Jalen Hurts in the run game. But I really don't see how they're going to combat the Eagles power run game or with two weapons downfield. Um, you know, like the Eagles have really struggled in those situations, the Patriots defensively struggled in those situations. Um, so I, I, there's nothing really favorable for the Patriots in this matchup other than Bill Belichick has just always found a way to compete with good teams. And, and so to the extent that carries you, then fine. But other than that, I really don't think there's much there.
0: Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch that because I agree. I do think we probably see some movement. And that's part of the piece here, right? Is we, we're essentially trying to get into spots where maybe we're going to beat some closing line value three months down the road as we approach these games. Um, I think this is another spot for me that could do that. The Seattle Seahawks are five and a half point favorites at home against the Rams. This is minus 110 on Caesars. I think this, you know, it's six already in some spots, but minus 110 on Caesars is is readily available in a nice number. I think it should be at least six. And again, like stuff matters. We're working around key numbers in the NFL. These are two teams, in my opinion, uh, that continue to go in the opposite direction. I think Seattle had another excellent offseason. I think they really killed last offseason. It's another good one. They've added depth on both sides of the ball. Uh, And this is just about anti-Rams as much as it is pro Seahawks. Uh, The Rams have, I think – probably top to bottom, like the worst roster in the league. Um, outside of Aaron Donalds, the defense is a disaster. They are rocking Robert Rochelle and DeAndre Kendrick as the projected starters on the outside at corner. They ranked 192nd, 217th in PFF cornerback grade last season. Uh, Bobby Wagner switched back to the team uh, that he grew up playing with. He's back in Seattle. Bobby Wagner was awesome last year for the Rams. Um, really, again, having already made some like baseline projections for tackles, uh, knowing that these, like I'm in the weeds here, I knew two guys on this defense heading into this year. It is a awful, awful team. Now we're dealing with a quarterback, uh, Matthew Stafford, coming off of, you know, again, a multitude of injuries, concerning ones, back, elbow, Cooper Cup, I think will be fine. They'll step right in. But really outside of it, it's, again, it's a, a bottom half offensive line, even if you think the offensive line is better. If they deal with any cluster injuries up front like they did last year, the team's really bad. You're really looking at like – what is this like – what's the kid's name? Like Puka, not only like the kid that they drafted out of like the (laughs) fifth or sixth round, everyone thinks he's like going to be the guy. That's who they're relying on to like get offensive snaps. It's going to be the Cooper Cup show. They tried to like release Cam Akers midseason, and now he's just going to be their guy, like the bell cow. Like I just don't see it. It's thin, uh, and it's a tough, tough schedule. And I think that they get uh, boat raced in week one – Against Seattle, Clark. What are your thoughts?
2: Can't can't go with you on this one. Um, so I, I, hold on. Ra- you told me defense didn't
0: matter, and then defense mattered in your handicap with the Bears and the Packers. So
2: <laughs> defense defense can matter, um, but uncertainty around defense. I you know like we tend to think that we know like oh look at all these players' names like we haven't even heard of them. We don't know who they are. They're going to be terrible, and th- and that's probably true. But we don't know how defenses gel. Like there's a lot of Question marks here. The Rams, as a team, are a very difficult team to figure out. I've talked about this before. You know, Stafford and Cup and Aaron Donald are kind of in the twilight of their career. Uh, I I doubt they're just going to want to fold and tank for next year. Uh, But then the rest of the roster is kind of hopeless. So I'm I'm just not looking to play them against them as big underdogs, right? I mean, you've got a good quarterback and a good receiver, and what I think will be an improved offensive line. Um, And so dodging the Matthew Stafford, you know, touchdown bombs is is not a game I want to play when, when the Seahawks have to cover a big number. So that, that's why I can't go with you there.
0: Yeah. We got Connor.
1: I almost prefer kind of like betting their season long win total at the price or like to miss the playoffs and laying the juice there, because I'm, I think that there's some underlying issues with Stafford and his health. And we've been kind of hearing that as well. So like, I worry that, you know, Stafford and cup are enough to like, keep this game close. I do agree. This should probably be six. I think that's probably fair. So five and a half, you're getting a little value there, but I worry that like that's enough to make a difference. Obviously there are tons of worries about this defense. So like, I mean, it may not matter. Like if they score 30 points, like, you know, obviously a higher scoring game, it's tough to keep it within a closer spread. But uh, yeah, I guess like I, that's my worry. I think in a long-term perspective, there's a ton of outcomes where Stafford isn't able to play the whole season. You know, what are they going to do there? So that would be my only concern. I still, I think I would lean with you though. I would think I would go with five and a half. If I had to play a yeah, you just can't keep uh, going, Clark. Go, go they're ahead. just
2: so thin all down the roster. So, right. like any any set of injuries, and in their season is is gone. And so, I don't necessarily want to play against them while they're fully healthy. But yeah, the long term view is very pessimistic. They just
0: they have had a unique approach to team building, and it worked. They won a Super Bowl, but now it's coming to roost. Right, you can't keep just punting on the draft, um, adding these undrafted free agents, adding these like you know they had like I think ten. Day three picks this year. Like these guys are like next up this season if they have anything to happen up front to the two guys that I just told you that are terrible. So they're, you know, it's just, it's paper thin. And if, to Clark's point, if they do start to gel, if we don't know these guys and the way that the defense starts to gel, it probably happens later in the year, right? I would think, versus coming out of the gates and being like this overperforming team uh, to start. It just as a lot of young, undrafted free agents, second year, fifth and sixth round picks. They're going to be called upon to take major, major snap shares defensively. Um, and I do I have questions offensively outside of Cooper Cup too. So, uh, Clark, how about your second one?
2: My second one is is the opposite of the first, in that I think think you can play this one now, um, and that's because it's hovering between a key number um, and a, and non key number. So, uh, th- Thursday night opener is Lions at Chiefs. It's going to be an exciting game, in my opinion. Um, I'm very I'm very much looking forward to it. At some shops, it's plus seven for the Lions, and in other shops, it's plus six and a half for the Lions. Um, and what that typically means is that it's unlikely to go above seven or under six and a half, right? So we've got some interest at, you know, Lions plus seven, and we've got some interest at Chiefs minus six and a half. So I would think that if you like either of those sides, now is a fine time to play it because you're... You're going to miss one of those numbers. I'm not sure which one. I, I personally think that we're going to miss the seven. I think it's going to close under seven. Um, and that's why I I like the Lions in this one. The, this is a Chiefs offense that is so good that it really just scores against anybody. And the Lions' biggest weakness is their defense. Um, and so the incremental gain that the Chiefs get from being an elite offense against a bad defense is not as much as you might think. Um, like they put up, what, 38 in the Super Bowl? against the Eagles, like they're probably going to put up 38 against the Lions. So, so it's like, they just don't, their biggest strength is kind of muted in this kind of game where the Lions offense is its strength. And if they can win the offensive line battle and control the line of scrimmage, they can run the ball successfully. They can complete short passes. They can keep Mahomes off the field and reduce the number of possessions in this game uh, and getting a whole touchdown spread just opens up so many opportunities for the Lions to either keep the game slow and close or Get that backdoor that they're so famous for under Dan Campbell. Like rarely do we get this version of the Lions with this many points, and I think that's a that's a huge value spot to take, even against the best team in the NFL. It's not that I'm I'm low on the Chiefs or high on the Lions. It's that this is a situational matchup advantage spot uh, where I think the Lions, given the number, have a a lot of ways to get there. Um, and I will say that the counter argument is that the Chiefs perform really, really well in week one every year that Mahomes has been quarterback. Andy Reid always performs well after a bye. We know this is well documented. When he has time to prepare, they, they come out firing. I had the exact numbers written down somewhere, but the Chiefs basically score almost 40 points every week one. Um, so I think if, if that kind of stuff matters to you, then I think there's caution here. But I just think that that's also a small sample size against some really bad defenses um and just sort of you know it, it's anecdotal it's narrative it's not the way that I, I make my wagers so i think numbers wise the lions make sense here um, and i would play it now rather than later if you can get plus seven which which is available
1: yeah plus seven matters here connor yeah absolutely and uh as attaboy jam says in the chat backdoor cover definitely in play i believe it was the eagles and lions last year with the most ridiculous backdoor cover they were up by like 20 something uh yeah Dan uh, Campbell definitely does not quit there. And I, I agree that the, the overall handicap, like the Lions are probably closer to the Chiefs uh, in this spot. I personally don't love betting against Patrick Mahomes, but I think that that presents value uh, in the betting market because I don't think that a lot of people do. So uh, I would agree there and would lean with you again uh, on the plus seven. Yeah, I think it's the right line. I think it's the right handicap. I like how you did it. I think it is
0: definitely like the handy read off a buy thing is I think definitely a a narrative and it is a small sample and it's a small sample that you, you, again, we're just putting everything in the same bucket and to your point, like the matchups within that sample are very different. And now that's, we're stretching that sample over a very long period of time. And that becomes even more noisy because like the teams, the team that he's coaching changes. So that gets very difficult. I think it's definitely something I buy into though. In terms of like just narratives overall, there's just enough of a sample size of Andy Reid with prep, uh, whether it's Week One, Super Bowl, off the bye week that he uh, comes in and has a great game playing. So I think it's going to be a great football game and an exciting one to watch. And another one that's small sample, we just the Chiefs kind of struggled of late against the number, and part of that is probably the Patrick Mahomes bump that you know the Chiefs get in the public markets as well, people not wanting to hold anti-Mahomes tickets makes sense there too. Connor, how about number two for you, buddy.
1: Yeah, my number two and then my look ahead are kind of correlated a little bit as well. Just fading the Arizona Cardinals early on in the season. So week one here, looks like this line already moved. I put minus five and a half. I think minus six is still fine. I don't know if this gets to seven just because laying seven on a team like Washington is a lot. But it's just uh, so unbelievable like how bad this Cardinals team projects to be overall. Like We still don't necessarily know who's going to be starting QB. I mean, Colt McCoy showed up to camp. So I guess technically we'll probably see him. But if we look at how Colt McCoy did last year, uh, you know he was among the quarterbacks with 100 attempts. Colt McCoy ranked 46th in EPA per dropback, 39th in success rate, 45th in yards per attempt. 46 and adjusted yards per attempt that was with deandre hopkins for all four games marquise brown played two of those games deandre hopkins accounted for nearly 40 percent of his receive of his passing yards he's obviously gone as well um it was a lot of like quick throws uh without deandre hopkins like that's just not really marquise brown's game so yeah maybe marquise brown takes a step up but it's not necessarily marquise brown's game there specifically this defense projects to be one of the worst um and so I'm, I'm really worried about this Cardinals team, especially early on. Looking at Kyler Murray's injury, if we look at some of the reports, the reporting around it has been like, we need him to be 100%. Like we want him to be 100%. To me, that screams he's not going to play for a couple of weeks at least. And so week one, I don't expect him to play specifically. And that's the only, in my mind, that's the only real downside to making this bet now is that there's a little bit, I mean like a t- small uncertainty that somehow Kyler is able to play. But I'm I'm pretty confident given with the reporting that we don't see him. And on the Washington side, I mean, their defense was legit, like, you know, good for a lot of last year by the metrics. Fifth in EPA per play, third against the run, sixth in explosive run rate, tenth in explosive pass rate, kept almost all their starters. Um, Again, like, I think this Cardinals offense is going to be horrendous. Like, I think there's reasonable pass where this offense does not score like 10 points. And so covering a number of like, like a 17-10 win, I think is more than reasonable. Um, And the Washington offense, I don't want to be bullish on them specifically. Uh, I mean, Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator – Dogs of line still, I think there's a little bit of questions, but the surrounding pieces around Sam Howell are interesting. Um, you know, I I'm I'm bullish, I guess, a little bit, I would say, on the on this offense, more than relative to market. Um, but like at the same time, I don't want to be over go overboard here. So if we're getting a five and a half, six against a team that I think could be like potentially historically bad, like just overall historically bad, um, I'm interested, at least early in the season before Kyler comes back. I'm interested here. I don't think
0: there's any chance Kyler's playing week one. I think there's okay, actually yeah.
1: more likely chance he
0: doesn't play the entire season, honestly, than he comes back week one. Um, we're definitely, I think we're missing at least eight weeks IR to start the season. Um, Clark, what are your thoughts on, I guess, Kyler and this uh, this Washington-Arizona uh, matchup?
2: Yeah, I don't even know who's playing quarterback. I mean, Colt McCoy, I think, is listed as the backup, but I'm not even sure he's going to play. like th- This... This feels like it's a one-way, one-way action. I'm not betting it too much uncertainty for me, especially this early, but I really don't see that the upside case for the Cardinals this year. Um, Also, I want to address young and fearless commented about the Eagles losing both coordinators. Um, I think that that's less of a concern for two reasons. One, uh their their offensive coordinator was promoted from within so i think there's going to be some continuity there um and then on defense uh, they they honestly upgraded at defensive coordinator like jonathan gannon was not the reason that defense was good so um so yeah i, I don't, i'm not overly concerned but it does increase the variance
0: yeah yeah good point there too all right um we are back to me for the last one um and then i think i'm gonna be against clark again because i'm gonna have to make some pro deshaun watson uh comments here in uh He's on record of, I think a couple weeks ago, Deshaun Watson was never good uh, or some sort of iteration of that. But I'll let you defend yourself in a minute here. I think – I haven't bet it, but it's a lean. I think the Browns' money line at home against the Bengals is interesting, plus 115 on Caesars. That's uh, minus 2.5 uh, to the Bengals here, so I like the dog. I'd rather take the plus money for them to win. And I like Cincinnati. I think that they're going to continue to be contenders. Um, I think that they're going to have a really nice season. but I'm pretty bullish on the Browns. I think they had a really nice offseason – Again, Deshaun Watson, not someone that you want to like cape up for. He was a mess last season. You know, a couple of really bad weather games were mixed in there as well. Again, not an excuse, but he just kind of looked out of sorts. I think we see a bounce back. I don't know what that means bounce back to prime Deshaun Watson, but he's still young. This is not a, an old quarterback. 2017 to 2020, he was third in the league in composite EPA per play and completion percentage over expectation. He was fifth in success rate, fifth in air yards per attempt. So he's not like nickel and diming. Uh, again, best offensive line in the league. Really good running game, obviously, with Nick Chubb. I think Elijah Moore was a nice addition to them, um, you know, to just add a little bit more depth there. And defensively, I think they're going to be really good. This is one of the worst front sevens in the league last year. Uh, Jim Swartz is into defensive coordinate here. Again, it's just Miles Garrett, who had no help. Zadarius Smith is now there. Dalvin Tomlinson up front. This is a really good defensive line all of a sudden. And I think their quarterback cornerback trio, um, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom and Martin Emerson. I think it's one of the best three in the league. And that's a really good matchup spot for Cincinnati, who we know is a high pass rate over expectation team. Cincinnati also, last couple of years, maybe a little slow to start. So I just think it's a really good matchup uh, at home in Cleveland, getting plus money, where I think Cleveland is, you know, a borderline playoff team here. So, uh, Clark, I'll kick it to you with uh, any thoughts on this one.
2: Yeah, I uh, I kind of like it. Um, this is a game that I, I don't really see an angle on right now at the current line. Um, because I'm sort of, you know, bearish on the Bengals this season. I I think they they are a little bit overrated, but like you said, I'm not super keen on backing Deshaun Watson, especially right now before we've seen any evidence that he can still play at a high level. Um, I I think there's a lot of optimism that he can return to form um, when I think that his original form wasn't even as good as advertised to begin with. I think he relied on a lot of really big plays out of structure he was never really good at making quick decisions and capitalizing um, against defenses that were taking away the big plays, and I, and that's what the Bengals do well. Is, is they you know they did it to Patrick Mahomes. They take away the big plays. They force you to be methodical underneath. Um, and I and without seeing that from Deshaun Watson ever in his career, frankly, um, I'm not willing to bet on it for Week One. Um, but it's 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 a game where I'm I'm not betting on the Bengals uh, because. I just I just think that the Browns are closer to the the Bengals than people think, um, and getting points at home is is a you know as a tasty proposition. So,
1: Connor, any thoughts? Yeah, I I want to be bullish on the Browns. I'm just not sure if this is the right spot, if that makes sense. Like because we'll get plus two and a half, or you get a plus three at home. I'm interested two and a half. Probably rather just take the money line. I think, but yeah, I mean I I'm excited about this team. The roster is good. I am bullish on, on Watson. I, you know, as we talked about in the MVP episode, that was a pretty bad take about him winning. But, uh, you know, I think in, uh, in hindsight, it's just like, you know, I want to, I want to find ways to bet on this team, uh, that I don't feel horrible about and like have 0% chance of winning. So like, I think this is an interesting spot. I think that, we'll have just better spots in the future because I don't think that like maybe a winning against the Bengals kind of like, you know, boost them up a little bit, but I don't think that everyone's going to be entirely sold, uh, you know, right after week one. So I think there'll be other spots here where there's just so many ways that this team can win right now. It's the running game, the defense stepping up and being like dominant. Um, if Deshaun Watson does find his, find his form in terms of, you know, what I, what we seem to think was pretty good. Sharp doesn't seem to think so, but um, I think given his current weapons and by far the best offensive line he's ever had, not, not close. Um, maybe it's okay if he doesn't make quick decisions It could kind of play out of structure because, you know, occasionally that can be all right as long as he's got a little bit more time.
0: I mean, he's accurate completion percentage, completion percentage over expectation, success rate, all those things over a, you know, three, four year sample are towards the top of the league, top five in the league. So um, there could be something to Clark's point that maybe he sees more on film than what the numbers are going to tell you. Uh, but again, like statistically speaking, he's been, a pretty good quarterback and i think he has some solid weapons there to, to add to it too and again part of it is like, i i know that from like season to season i don't think we see a lot of stickiness in terms of defensive metrics but like massive talent upgrade and i think sometimes some fresh blood on the coordinator side too um adds to some help again just being able to unleash and support miles garrett with other guys that deserve your attention is going to make a big impact for maybe one of the best defensive players in the league too so all right now we're going to shift to uh look ahead lines these are again Available out there at most spots. Um, again, and I think we all kind of did this for the most part. Um, you don't want to get too far down the line in terms of look aheads because you know a lot can change between now. We're again like 84 days from week one. You know we start to get into like you know the middle or late end of the season, picking a bad number. We have no idea what the dynamic of the team looks like at that point. Um, you know there's just a lot of unknown there too. So Clark, I'll kick it to you with your preferred lean right now in the look ahead market.
2: Yeah, as I said, I'm not not playing any games, but um, what I'm looking for in a look-ahead market like this is, you know, variance has to be your friend, right? That has to be more likely to help you than to hurt you. It's kind of the anti-fragile concept. Um, In week seven, the the Chargers play in Kansas City, and Kansas City is laying five and a half points right now. Um, The Chargers play the Chiefs tight every time. Uh, They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They can go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs getting five and a half points is just a massive uh, amount of points because of how many of those games end up close and coming down to the final score. Um, on top of that, when you're playing a dog, your, you know, variance is more likely to help you than to hurt you, right? Like if something happens to the Chiefs materially, the Chargers are favored in that game. So now you've got a five and a half point dog as a favorite. Whereas if something happens to the Chargers, they're probably seven and a half point, eight point dogs. You're you're losing a few points of value, but it's nothing that's going to like absolutely blow your bet out of the water. So that's what I would be looking for. And that's the kind of process that I would use to, to go about finding uh, potential future bets at this point.
0: Yeah. Good advice. Connor, what are your uh, thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah. No, I, I uh, like it again. I think you, there's two bets against Mahomes. You know, I think I gotta just uh, hold it's tight his favorite there
0: team too. So again, you know, you gotta respect it. I do love How the chargers spend? though.
1: I, I do love the chargers. Um, so I, I definitely am not going to say no to any, uh, you know, chargers action.
0: Again, there's just a, a long line of history of those two teams playing really close coin flip battles that have come down to the final possession too. So uh, I, I like it, Connor. What's your uh, your lean in the look at market?
1: Yeah, I have a couple, and I think it goes along the same lines here of like trying to fade the Cardinals early uh, without Kyler. And again, like I, I, there's a chance he doesn't play the whole season, but I don't want to like. There's a little bit more variance as you get into like you know week ten, week eleven. You know, maybe he comes back around then. Um, so the first one, Cowboys laying less than a touchdown at arizona it's like minus six and a half right now i mean i think the cowboys are just better in basically every category and like every matchup possible like they're just significantly better than the cardinals uh i mean they can run the ball 35 times and probably win by two scores here so i would not be surprised to see this close at closer to 10. um you know by the time we get there and then another one that i really like that i almost played but i think it was a little bit further out of my range was the ravens ravens are laying five and a half on the road against this cardinals team as well I think that I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about the Ravens. I think that they could absolutely throttle this team, you know, uh, just on the ground alone. And if there's anything to the passing game at all, like, I mean, they will shred the Cardinals. And so like you look at those two factors and I think that we're all, I think we're all pretty excited about the Ravens this year. Um, So yeah, I think those are the three that stuck out to me or two that stuck out to me here, but I don't mind playing a little bit on each of them. I'm not playing, playing a full unit, but you know, just a little sprinkle here and there because I do think that Cowboys could easily close above seven Ravens could easily close above seven, especially if Kyler's not back
0: like that quite a bit. Yeah. When is that week? What is the Ravens game?
1: I think it was week eight, honestly. Okay. So it was a little bit, f- it was a little like, it kind of got into that range. Where it was like, ah, he could be back by then. But I mean, I don't know, like based on, I don't think it matters. hundred like percent health. And- like, I yeah. mean, yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think I'm I'm maybe a little less bullish than you guys from early discussions around the Ravens. I think offensively they could be incredible. Um, I have some concerns uh, on the back half defensively, but again, like Harbaugh just figures it out. I mean, it's going to be a good football team. They'll be a playoff team. I'm not really super concerned. Um, Next one for me, or I guess my preferred look ahead. Again, I didn't want to go too far, so I just went week two. And I, I like Miami. I just, I want, this is similar to what Connor said about the Browns. I just want to kind of be in, in, in different ways against Miami this season. This would be a lean for me. Miami is uh, minus two, uh, in new England against the Patriots. And I have to just have way too much speed for them. Um, uh, basically on both sides of the ball, I think you know, Miami is going to be excellent this season. I want to find different ways to, to get down on them. Talked about that in a few different shows so far this season. Again, this should be, I think at least three, I get it. It's in new England, you know, Miami's, really played well, even against really good Patriots teams in the last 20-plus years, uh, even in New England, too. They've traveled well and played well. So being able to get that game in September versus having a Florida team having to go up to New England in, like, December would be more pro- problematic. Like, they're not going to be able to use the weather, essentially, to slow them down. Um, again, just the track meet that New England's going to lose every time. So this being under three would be a, a lean for me. And, again, just week two, I feel better about you know feeling that being a pretty good spot where I don't think – you know much is going to get away from us in terms of what happens in the season. Uh Clark, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think the Dolphins are a team that uh I am more bullish on in current form than I am on on season long futures because of Tua's health questions. Yeah. It's a good point. Um so as long as as long as they're all healthy and not just Tua, but like he's reliant on Waddle and Hill for his offense. So so as long as those three pieces are all healthy, um, and you know Vic Fangio is coming in for the defense, I, I think that they're a team you can bet on. Um, so I think early and healthy is the is the way to go for the Dolphins.
0: Connor, you're not shy taking stabs at uh, the Patriots.
1: I don't know. How I miss this one. This is a, a fucking banger, man. I mean, this is uh, this is a great bet under three. I, I love this. You know, fade fade the Pats to the Oblivion, especially early on, and uh, I'm I'm a very in on the Dolphins. So yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Again, those are leans
0: for us. You know, be smart with these. I think it's, you know, Clark gave some great advice at the top. You know, know, whether you just want to throw down a a little bit of sprinkle, uh, whether you just want to track it, track the the line movement, track your positions, you know, I think that it's a good way to to get access to it. And, um, again, there's just still a lot that can happen. We see every time three months leading up to the season, we're going to have some injuries, unfortunately, probably some that are devastating to some clubs, uh, and that could really shape the outlook of that team going into the season you know two is a great example it's you know one player but man the dynamic of everything miami changes drastically with mike white there instead of two so you know be cautious there so all right gentlemen anything else for the people
2: Wait, are we going to talk about your golf betting advice
0: oh yes oh, let's yeah. let's get to this yeah um it's a good question uh folks don't know it was, you know mentioned here in the chat um someone yeah sorry the time permits, we want to address my controversial US Open betting take. Um, so got into this, you know, tweeted something last night. I've had some I guess, smart people, sharp people that I respect, their opinions in terms of betting and in terms of golf betting. I think there was a disconnect in how maybe the message that I was trying to get across uh, because I understood their point. I don't feel like anyone really understood my point. So um, I made a suggestion. So golf outright betting is a unique beast. Golf outright betting on round one of Thursday uh is even more unique because golf betting um there goes in waves basically an entire group goes out into the AM wave um they will finish their 18 holes before another group of of guys goes out and starts golfing. It's very different. When a football game starts say the Lions Chiefs um game starts that game starts for both teams regardless of who wins the coin toss. So um, you know that is not really what happens here in golf. Um, It was a question around probability so my point was if you like guys in the pm wave guys that are yet to tee off uh jordan spieth cam smith brooks kepka if you like them wait because it's now wednesday if you didn't bet them monday and try to get in some of the better numbers you should wait because if some of the guys that are at the top of the market scotty scheffler john Rahm, xander shoffley who's gone out and got off to a really good start goes out and posts a really nice number there's a very, very good chance that the number on all those guys in the PM wave is a little bit longer. Two, three, sometimes we see five points in this market. I understand that the probability of them winning is impacted by a really good golfer going out and golfing well. But a golf, this is if you were betting in terms of like if a golf outright market was based off of just pure equity of just 100% of win probability. That's not how a golf betting outright market is priced. There's a pretty significant hold. And there's also a perception. It's a market. It's dynamic. It's impacted by what's happening on the course. It's impacted by money. So the point that other people were making uh, in my comments was that it doesn't change. The the probability is impacted. So of course their number should be impacted negatively. And I understand that, but that's, again, we're not dealing with a hundred percent probability market. We're dealing with a market that involves hold and perception. So I've seen it. We've executed it. This happened last year in the PGA championship. Roy McIlroy was one of the favorites, top of the board, went out and shot five under in the first round. And anyone who hadn't teed off yet moved drastically. Justin Thomas, was a late bet for Ron, uh, PGA Splits 101 and myself. Justin Thomas was 18 before the tournament started. He was 27 before putting a peg in the ground. He won. So, yeah, it happens. There are more times than not, that number is going to move in our favor. And again, I understand the probability. I understand that the probability is impacted, but that market is dynamic, especially in round one and outright betting. It's not just off of a pure 100% probability of outcomes, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I also think too, that you're looking at uh, a game that's overplayed over the course of four days. So like, there's just a lot that can still happen. So I think that their mentions are technically like by the numbers. Correct. Correct. I agree. I was trying to agree with them,
0: but also make my points. Yeah. And I get the legalistic of like, it's a hundred percent probability. The probability is impacted. Yes. It's a dynamic market. It's different
1: but it's also kind of similar to like live betting on, I think it is similar to live betting on teams in some senses. Like it's a little bit different just because like they haven't played yet. Like there's four, I mean, there's 72 holes. that still need to be played. So I think there's just like a longer time to kind of make up that ground. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's fine. I mean, again, like it's a high hold market. You're just, you're mostly playing it for fun. I mean, like you're probably grinding some EV, but like, I mean, you're, you're getting wrecked either way by the odds. So like, I don't know. I mean, I still think it's fine, but I can see why people were like, oh, it's like, you know, you can't do that. There's a lot of, a lot of like hardcore math people, which I understand.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't bet golf. I don't know the golf markets, but I, I parallel it to like betting live in, in NFL games where it's like, you know, if odds change it's because the actual, the, it, then the probability has changed. And so if you like a golfer before the tournament starts, you know, you can bet him and maybe you get a better price as well. Like you can load up, you know, add to it or whatever. But, um, but I understand the point about, um, but like if, if the, if the live market is less efficient and the live market, if the, if the different books during the live market vary their prices more widely, uh, then I think that that can kind of play into it too, where it's like different books are going to react differently. But, but if, if the live markets are efficient, then to me, it seems like, you know you're you're making if you like the golfer you like the golfer you know <laughs> regardless of time um and the the price is going to reflect you know what the market thinks the true odds are and and that's kind of how my brain works but again i don't i don't bet golf so
1: it could be a massive overreaction too i mean like some, certain markets probably react differently i mean it's like if you're yeah. getting like 5 points in one book and then like 2 points in another like there's probably a difference in probability that was actually impacted that they're making a mistake somewhere so you know then you are like in a good better spot so i think that like that's Shop. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, maybe that's totally wrong, but like, I think that it would be something interesting to look at is like what the live to, probability actually is compared to like what they're giving. So, you
2: need to set up a, an, a a live debate between Noonan and, and C Lars on Twitter.
0: Yeah. So, I, I think the responses made it seem like I don't understand probabilities. And I, you know, that wasn't the point that I was trying to make. Again, it is more dynamic because, again, round one, outright betting is a combination of both live betting. And pre-tournament betting because for some people it's live and those guys that go out and golf, their number is dynamic. It will change. So is the guys that are, have not started yet. So like the event has started, so it impacts the the market. But again, like Brooks still has 72 holes theoretically in front of him regardless of what uh, John Rahm, Scotty Shuffler go out and do today. Um, but and but if you but liked him, he's he's going to still get his opportunity to go out and perform if you handicapped him as being a viable option.
2: It's true. And the counter argument is that the, you know, say, say you want to bet on, on, I don't know, I don't know when the golfers are playing, but someone in the afternoon, let's say Justin Thomas, I think, um, like his, his, his winning the tournament is not a singular result of his performance. It's a result of his performance and every other golfer's performance. So like, so his, like the market of him winning the tournament has started before he hits his first shot. So i think that's kind of the counter argument in in the in the, the paralleling to like to the way two football teams kick off at the same time like there's it's not the same it's not the same impact but it's uh in the same ballpark or whatever
0: yeah and i agree with that and again that would be if, if theoretically if, if books were aligning this off of a you know true probability of hundred percent that would make a ton of sense that's just not how the market is um and anyone who's betting golf should understand that that's a key difference here that all i'm trying to highlight is that difference Um, it might not be a widespread market inefficiency, but to Connor's point, it just takes one book to go out and hang and move it a little bit different. And if it's something that I liked, I think it's going to move a little bit. I'd rather get it for two points more, especially at the top of the board in golf outright betting where it's expensive. The way I'm betting is to win X amount of money. So it's, if it allows me to make my stake a little bit smaller with nothing happening to that golfer in terms of his personal play, your points, correct, um, in terms of how it impacts everyone else. But, um,
2: so, so discussion. We, I, discussion aside, who we who we rooting for in the in the what is it U.S. Open?
0: U.S. Open, uh, yeah. Scotty Scheffler, uh, Victor Hovland, uh, and Max Homer are kind of my my three guys towards that I got uh, thirty or shorter at the top of the board. So right. uh, it's luck. gonna be a fantastic golf event to watch. Uh, Connor made fun of me around being a, you know a golf architect nerd, uh, but the, you know this course is going to be a pretty exciting watch. In terms of uh, the options that the guys have off the tee and uh, you're gonna have to have the entire bag here to win so good stuff at la country club uh and time to sign off so we can go watch so
2: yeah good uh, luck everyone that bet on the us open
0: yeah appreciate the discussion and again I, I, it was back and forth they appreciated some people you know understanding my points again maybe i'll own that maybe i didn't do a good job of trying to relate the point that i was making you know you know, five tweet thread i was just trying to get people to read my article that i made for free and get some clicks so <laughs> i want to get people out there and again we've executed that strategy successfully so not for everyone but uh hey good luck for everyone uh travis matthew swag always travis matthew i get travis matthew on the show every every week good stuff as always so i uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us for connor and clark i'm ryan we'll see you all next time thanks everyone